We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, everyone? Pat Mayo here for the episode two recap of The Challenge, Double Agents. I hopped on with the guys from The Challenge Chronicles podcast. I highly suggest that everyone go subscribe to The Challenge Chronicles audio podcast. You can catch all of the audio versions of said podcast up on Mayo Media Network. So if you like The Challenge, you're going to be seeing those every single week. I will only be hopping in and out periodically, like Paul and I aren't doing shows every single week for a recap this year, but I'll be jumping on with The Challenge Chronicle guys who will be doing the recaps every single week. So I would suggest Suggest again, subscribe to Mayo Media Network if you're new. Smash the like button to the episode and tell me your favorite moment from episode two. Very good episode, by the way. And subscribe to the Challenge Chronicles audio podcast and show them some love with some reviews on iTunes, everything like that. Okay, let's get to it. Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. I'm Devin Jordan. We are here to talk about the Challenge Double Agents episode two, which aired last night. I'm with Trace Armstrong, Rob McIntyre, and Pat Mayo is with us today. Pat, how are you doing? I am doing well, fellas. Thank you for joining the Mayo Media Network. If people don't know, you go to YouTube and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. You like the episode and you subscribe to the Challenge Chronicles. It's all that easy. I had to jump on because this is a great episode. I want to talk about it. Yeah, after I'm going to Spotify, I'm sure this is the next biggest uh, news in the podcasting universe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're glad to be on the Mayo Media Network, Pat. It's really cool to be able to chat with you again. We haven't chatted with you on a show in a a hot minute. No, ever since I claimed that both Paula and Jody were top six all-time female competitors, and it seems like people have come around to that now. Well, Trace had had Paula number one. Yeah, well, Trace is not. I did, <laughs> well, we all know this though. I am a I am a bit out of my rocker. Very cool. So yeah. Right. So uh, we last night's episode was pretty good. I know we've kind of been chatting. We'll we'll get up to it, but uh, I liked it just as much as episode one. And I have a couple nitpicky things, but it's more of just a critique than it is 
it didn't detract from the enjoyment of the episode, but there's just a couple of nitpicky things, which we'll get to when we get to. There were a couple of key conversations that I really wish we would have seen that I think are big for the overall political leanings in the house. So one, we didn't get a conversation between Fessy and Wes, which you know occurred and would have been really interesting to see what happened. Fessy definitely alluded to it after they went through, what, what is it called when Anissa and him go into the room? The chamber, whatever it is. Yeah, so he, what Fessy mentioned that he was potentially going to go to Wes and have a conversation with him about how if Fessy saves him this time and doesn't throw him in, then if Wes is in the same position later on, he won't, he'll return the favor. We never saw that conversation, and I think that would be super interesting. And then we never saw the conversation between Fessy and the rest of the Big Brother Alliance and about how they all did not vote his way. None of the other people in the Big Brother Alliance voted for West. Like it seems like they had previously discussed and they all voted for I I mess up Joseph's name as much as Big T does. Maybe even more. I cannot remember this guy's name. Uh, I felt bad and for Maybe him. it's because of her. Gentlemen. Say that again, Rob. I I just felt bad for him. He seemed really out of his element on the show, Joseph. He, he's just like totally. He's doing that goofy ab workout for like fifteen minutes. Um, he's could he be? If we did a power ranking of worst challenge competitors of all time, he's maybe in the top ten, right? No. Uh, yes, I was going to make the exact same point. <laughs> no, he's he's definitely not. No, he's been on two episodes. In two episodes, he wasn't like. Yeah, but the worst competitors don't, aren't going to make it far by nature. <laughs> Here, here's the difference, though. Like, he actually got screen time in this episode. We got to know him a little bit. Like, remember that Nate guy from... Battle of the Exes, yes. Yeah, he was from uh, Frank and Zach season of The Real World. Real World San Diego, too. Like, that guy just got buried. That and, guy like, depends on how... The worst. He, like, did the one mission with the honey, and he, like, couldn't make it two feet on the pole, and then just, like, the first person knocked out when he's going up against Wes and Mandy on the spinning thing. He, he, he might be the actual worst. Who did you say, Rob? Uh, I Nate Karamo, who doesn't even, like, get in the water on the dodgeball mission. It depends on how we're defining best, right? Um, I think Karamo's a good one. But at the same time, I did, that, that's why I didn't say he, it, he is the, the worst of all time, right? Um, I'd say he's bottom 10. Like, he's definitely bottom 10. You could definitely fill out an entire worst of team with, like, half the rookies team from Gauntlet 3. Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. fair point. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, it's just like it. last season. Or, like, the people who just quit. Oh, it wasn't the... Who was the guy? Was it uh, Nate on Rivals 3 who cried because he missed his girlfriend and went home? That was Brandon, Brandon wasn't it? Brandon, because uh, TJ told him, hope to see you never. Uh, that That's pretty bad. Nate so like, beats Corey in elimination and is like crying and punching the wall all the time. So l let's talk about this, I guess. Were you surprised to see that Fessy and, Issa, and, and Anissa decided to throw in Kyle to elimination to go against Joseph? Did, I didn't anyone want to go in against Joseph. That was my thing. Yeah, like I almost feel like Wes was playing possum throughout this and secretly did want to go in because if he did go in, he would be able to get a skull against the worst person in the house, right? And he'd potentially be able to leave Natalie if he actually wanted to. I don't think he does want to, but he would at least have that option. 
I, I think you're dead on. That's what it seemed to me like the entire time, like especially with the over the top bravado, him like half provoking Fessy being like, hey, if you need a leader, you can just come to me. I can make the yeah. decision for you. It seemed like he knew that Joseph, like he planned it, that Joseph would get thrown in and that he would get voted in. But when they showed up to the crater, I guess they're calling it, that yeah. Fessy sees a little ring in the middle of a pit and won't go in. Like, what's going on? How does he not go in? That makes no sense to me. It's completely obviously what it is. Kyle called him out on it afterwards. Yes, he did. So I don't get why he didn't go in. And then I agree with you, Pat. I think the appeal that Wes made to Fessy, Corey, and Nelson about how he can be the CEO of their alliance if he wants them to be, that's such a like obviously bad plea that I feel like Wes had to have like known what he was doing. Otherwise, I, that's a terrible sell. Yeah, I think especially in the deliberation too, where he's kind of, he and now they're getting into it a little bit more with Joseph, and then also even like Devin and Kyle say they're like because who are aligned with West are saying they they're like scheming to get West thrown in against Joseph. So I don't see it must just be like they don't want to target on them. I guess I feel like that's part of this game. Like the politics of this season are insane right now. Um, the fa- let me let me hit on the thing you were talking about, Kyle calling out Fessy. I think Kyle nailed Fessy to the post. The big brother people don't like getting their hands dirty and the skulls kind of force them to. And he did. I feel like he chickened out. Like he just wasn't wanting to risk himself. But at some point, if you want to make the final, you're going to have to go in. And if if I'm a competitor on the challenge right now, I'm wanting to go against the weakest possible people as soon as possible. Because the further you get in the season you're going to have to go against a friend or someone who's potentially really good. So if I'm fessy, I see a physical elimination and I see Joseph standing there. Why do you not throw yourself in? It makes zero sense. Well, how do we think this is going to play out with only the five skulls? Maybe what they're worried about is since there's only five skulls, like there's going to come a point where only skulls are getting thrown in because that's the only way to get one. Sure, but uh, so there there are two things with this. So there's one, I think that people watched last season and saw that, oh, Kyle just waited till the end and he got Josh because no one had skulls and everyone just kind of acquiesced to saying, oh, yeah, you guys can go in, which you should never have done anyway, because you can just box those people out. But at the same time, it, I think we're going to start seeing a situation now that it does seem like we know kind of what the rules are where you can switch opponents and then the person who's left last ends up stuck with the person who's left over that. Do you think that we're going to see a situation where like it was almost, it wasn't rigged that CT ended up with big T in the circumstance, but when we start getting to like the very end before the final, and I think that they probably will run pairs finals, maybe it won't be, but if you're just going on that presumption, could you stick, I guess, I guess Fessy has an right now anyway. So you just keep, keep him with her (laughs) but if let's say cam and fessy end up becoming a team at some point that you get to the final elimination that you can kind of like jury rig it where you can set up a really good competitor with a really bad partner just by going through everything can you work that out like three-dimensional chess like i think that gives an advantage like wes and devon when it comes down to it i don't know i I think it's just gonna be tough because by the end of the game there's not gonna be a lot of fat left around you know what i mean there's just by the nature of the game uh, unless I, th- I think by and large like throughout the the, cor- the history of the show it's becomes more and more rare that weaker competitors are, are left like that until the end but I, I i do see what you're saying 
I feel like the last go ahead, Rob. Out where you have one or two people who are clearly a step below everybody else in the final. So I, I think that's I think that's in play. Yeah, I think it's in play because what's really interesting is is I'm thinking through, um, you know, let, let's assume eliminations and let's say that it is a Paris deal the whole way through, which I think it probably will be. I don't know about the final yet. That to me is still to be determined. I think you could be right, Pat, but I could also see them getting rid of partners altogether when they get to the final, just because they like having those individual winners fight it out, but you never know. Um, But I, the thing that kills me is it's going to be really hard to maneuver your way towards the end of the game, because I think people watched total madness that are on the show and they realize that the moves they made were pretty poor and they can probably blame it just on the conditions of the bunker. Cause from every interview I've heard that bunker was miserable. And by the end they had had like an unspoken agreement to not fight with each other because they were also miserable. There's no reason to make ourselves more miserable fighting. So now that they're in a better environment and they're, you know, able to get outside and see sunlight when it's not misty in Iceland and all that kind of stuff, I think people are going to play the skull game differently this time. So to me, it's actually going to be harder to maneuver and jerry rig the way things might go. It, it, I mean, if teams are going to have to, because if there's only five skulls around, there's not only going to be five eliminations for men and women. Like that's going to no. One thing I think, think it's do is the way TJ like set up this elimination. I think like next week it's actually in question if it's a woman's or a men's elimination. Like maybe they'll switch back and do men's again. So then that yeah, way, I know what you're talking about. There was that moment of hesitation. Um, Which is cool, too, because so, then, like, politically, you can't just target one person. Like, Big T was, like, all about getting Joseph in elimination. But next, next week, you can't be all about getting your partner in elimination because it could be you instead. It could be conceivably possible that there are eliminations that happen where there isn't a skull up for play, right? Because I feel like my assumption at this point would be that whoever gets voted in the house, whether they have a skull or don't have a skull, um, could not have a skull. And then the the double agents could potentially throw in someone that doesn't have a skull at the same time or go in themselves. Um, do you think that's possible? Or do you think that they will somehow enforce some sort of structure where someone with a skull is always in elimination after the first five are given out for each sex. I mean, that, I, that, that'd be hard. I think that what they would do is have another twist. And if it's two people without skulls that go in, the winner gets to steal a skull from somebody that is totally a quote unquote, Buna Murray challenge yeah, twist I, waiting to happen. I agree that that's, that, that's a very good um, idea. That's that if I had to bet that honestly might be, the favorite of what I'd bet on. I'm not sure I'd have to think about it, but I don't like that. J- just thinking, <laughs> like, I feel like you should, like, it's kind of sucks to just get your skull taken away like that, especially I, if you I, didn't do anything to, you know. If that ends up being the case, I don't think that we're totally locked into it's going to be a male or female elimination day. Like, I think we might see a pairs elimination at some point, uh, just Good to throw just to throw a twist back into it too, because everyone thinks they're playing one way, then you go another. But if you do get into a situation where you can steal someone's skull by winning an elimination, I would think that the person who gets their skull stolen is a lock. Like they automatically get to go in the next elimination to get it back if they want to. Mm -hmm. I don't know about automatically, but I think that that's probably what ends up happening to some degree. Well, 
So, like, if there's five skulls, if so, if we have five eliminations, that means that there's going to be after that, there's going to be five people with skulls and five people without it, assuming nobody gets DQ'd, right? Uh, so there's thirty people in the cast. Did you already do the math? So I don't have to do this. I, I mean, I did, but I also am often wrong. So yeah, there's there's twenty eight people left. Well, no, uh, to start with, he's saying. Oh yeah, so there's thirty so there people. Were, there's ten skulls. So there's ten eliminations theoretically. And then yeah. there'll be that gets us ten and ten. Yeah. And how many episodes are there? Seventeen. There's nineteen this season. I don't know if they counted. But that we yet. don't know if it's two reunions or not yet. Or are they counting the preview episode as an episode? I tend to think they're not. I mean, usually the way they've done it is the reunion is the, if it's one or two parts, they count that as an episode, but they don't count previews. So I think we're going with the assumption there's going to be seventeen like content game episodes and two reunions. Yeah. How good was that preview episode, by the way? Incredible. I really like We that. talked about it. Yeah, it was great. Um, so just have the intros kind of like out of the way. Did either of you or any of you notice too that Leroy and Cam didn't vote together either in this? Like what is going on? I voted for Joseph and then Cam well Joseph and Big T and Cam voted for Wes and Natalie, right? Mm-hmm. Well we don't we don't know who we don't know definitively who the other people voted for. We can assume um well we know for a fact leroy voted for big t and joseph and we know for a fact that cam voted for wes and natalie because they showed that on screen they did okay cool yeah yeah i don't get it i don't know if someone like a lot of these it's clear that we're missing a lot right and i wonder if the reason that we didn't see a conversation between fessy and the rest of the big brother alliance about who they voted for is because he just doesn't want to reveal quite yet that he knows that they didn't vote the way that they may have discussed. Yeah, I think he's going to talk with Wes and with the Big Brother people in the next episode. I, I think that's when he and Anissa are going to like do their spiel. I don't think they would do it now. They seem like they wanted to keep their cards closer to their vest going into elimination. Yeah, I don't think that conversation actually happened, Devin, is the thing. Because I think they're holding that close to the vest. But it's kind of leaked out now that it it's implied that they know who Kyle voted for and that Kyle lied. They kind of reveal that, so they probably have to in the next episode. Yeah, it's weird that they kind of I I get that they edited that in with Kyle because they wanted to build up some sort of narrative around why he went into elimination. But if I'm fessy, I feel much more slighted that Casey, Amber and Josh didn't vote the way that they most likely discussed. Right. Those are the people that he's supposed to be closest with in the house. He didn't have some like grand relationship coming into the game with Kyle, at least that we know of. Well, maybe they yeah. just look at it and say, hey, we're all a part of an alliance. We'll ride your coattails, but we also don't want to face you in the final. So we'll work. We're actually working together to get you on the outs. It's yeah, I interesting. Don't yeah. I don't know. I, I'm with Devin. I think we're missing something because I, I can't tell for sure, but it feels like Fessy feels like he's the guy running the game. And there could have been some resentment from the fact that, hey, we let you win. Um, so, you know, we we let you win. We You did not really earn that win, per se. And that's my one nitpicky thing about this episode is I have a really hard time with the dailies where it's basically politics win the, yeah, uh, the, the day. I just I, I I it gives it's an unfair stacked advantage to whichever alliance has the numbers, especially early in the game. It just seems ridiculous to me to do a daily challenge where 
you have to do something super physical, but whether you win or lose is determined by how many friends you have in the house. Totally. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the coconut chop challenge. We, we've seen this on multiple reality shows many times. And what you said is exactly what I think too. I feel like the actual challenge should be a way that you can overcome any political disadvantages you may have in the house. And this type of format just emphasizes any that already exist. Yeah. Yeah. Like Wes and Nally really didn't have any of a play in that one. None, which is unfortunate. Well, and maybe not so unfortunate. If Wes, I'm, I'm honestly probably disappointed. I didn't get to go into that elimination. <laughs> Especially yeah. when we saw Joseph's performance. <laughs> Do we I, have didn't, any... I didn't think he competed all that badly. Like Kyle, I, I, I think that people forget that Kyle is huge. Yeah. yeah. He's what, 6'4"? We looked this up. He's like 6'4", 6'5". No, I don't think he's that. I, I, thought, he like I, six, like, I thought he was like 6'2", 6'3", 225. Okay. Because Fessy is 6'4", 6'5", I think, and I don't think he's as tall as him. There's also like an experienced where like how often are you doing like wrestling of bring from somebody in your daily life? Not that often. And like Kyle's just had to do like I mean he beat CT and uh, JP basically in this elimination before, so I just think with the experience he has, he just has like an understanding of leverage that Joseph didn't. So uh, I want to bring that up for a second. Just is Kyle? It's the narrative now seems to have shifted because he beat Joseph. That like he's an underrated challenge competitor. But like I'm just looking back at his eliminations. Like he lost to Theo twice. Like Theo's obviously going to beat him. Theo's just a much better athlete. But the ones that he's won, he's beat Joseph, Bear, and Josh. And he basically got gifted that CT one when the other guy ganged up on CT with Kyle. And then he and Brad also lost one to Shane and Nelson on Final Reckoning. And they lost know, to, we they, don't count they any eliminations from Final Reckoning or Vendettas. Those eliminations are janky carnival game crap. They lost to Shane, think, Nelson and I, Shane. They lost to Natalie and Polly and Cam, Cam and Kaylee. I don't think Kyle's bad. I think Kyle's good. Yeah, I think he's pretty underrated. He He's always able to just kind of like navigate his way toward the end of the game. And that that's the ultimate goal. Right, no, how you get there is. I feel like people that's said a lot about him too, but like he was bad politically on War of the Worlds one and War of the Worlds two. Like War of the Worlds two, he he should have been in a way better spot, but he refused to make a move and then got launched in the middle of the game. And the War of the Worlds one, he was in elimination a lot. Yeah, but by and large, if you look at the last couple of seasons and I guess the and it's like it was of his career, stay out of elimination. Let, let, let's not. I will say. Let's Go not ahead. bury the lead for Kyle. What did we think about the, Kyle's outfit in confessionals? I don't even Same know <laughs> what to compare him as. It's he looked like a bomb villain. <laughs> I thought he looked like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, but that might be my age showing. Did they tell them to bring like nicer clothes this season? Because like Fessy has that like ridiculous jacket. Uh, he has the outfit where he looks like the rock from the nineties, but then like in this episode, he has a shirt, he has a tie, he has the vest, like, were they like, hey, bring like a, a professional outfit uh, this time, like you're going to a job interview or or I actually wouldn't be shocked if they have wardrobe people on site because it's a agents type of format and they want people to look like agents in the confessional. So could they have brought stuff? Absolutely. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they have a wardrobe person there to help them do that stuff, because the budget on this show has gone way up. I mean, just to kind of sidetrack us for just a second. I want everybody to think about this. The challenge was the number one show on cable television Wednesday night. They were the highest rated show. They beat wrestling. They beat everything else, especially because right now there's no hockey. There's no NBA. 
they basically owned the night on cable. So the visibility of the show is growing by leaps and bounds. And then on top of that, between Big Brother, which does good ratings on CBS and all the other reality shows like the challenges, their budget has gone up. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, how bizarre is it? I, I feel like you see an aging curve for shows, right? And the challenges aging curve in overall popularity is bizarre. Like, who thought, who would have guessed that a show would be probably at its most popular stage 36 seasons into its history? Well, they've just adjusted the scope so much. Like, they're bringing on sort of, like, people from much more popular reality shows now. So I think it makes sense that once they expanded beyond their somewhat limited casting network that that would happen. Yeah, but I mean, any show could do that, really, right? I mean, Survivor could do that, too. They could start bringing people on from a much wider audience. I suppose. But, like, I I think with the challenge and how they've cast in general, they have a unique opportunity in that way. Like, I think that's why that happened. Well, I think it's interesting because I think that what you're going to see moving forward, I know we're getting really on a tangent now, but the fact that a Survivor million-dollar winner is on the challenge, would you have ever guessed that even three years ago that that would ever happen? I don't know, man. I'm not surprised by anything. Yeah. Like at this point, like, and I think that's kind of what makes them good, right? And that's kind of why they have found success is they have not been afraid to make changes. I think that's one thing that we can definitively say about them. Because I even remember when I was felt a little bit not not pleased when they started to let Are You the One people on, right? And I feel like that was a common uh, feeling among people that were fans of the show. But really, doing that and putting them on the trajectory to just pretty much let anyone on is kind of what's helped them out over the last four or five years or so. The show would have been canceled. Well, sure. it, it's it's funny because like the are you the one? It really worked out well because like twofold. One, you can add the new people and you get people accustomed to bringing in people from different shows that maybe they don't know. But the are you the one people were like really bad by and large, and no one liked it. <laughs> they were like, oh, we need to find like other places to do this from. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. why they uh, went abroad for that. Um, I, I actually I liked the mission. I understand the politics aspect of it though. I thought it was a cool like. If it didn't have, I don't know if they would have done it without the politics and it was just like a relay race type thing. I liked the visual of the mission, at least. Mm-hmm. It looked hard. It did look really hard. How, how about Nelson, like, proclaiming him to be an ace scuba diver now? <laughs> well, well, the fact I that love he Brown really speaks a, speaks a lot to how much he's improved. Yeah, he, he was better than Michi, at least. Um, my, I don't know if I've told you guys about my roommate in my freshman year of college, but... Was it Michi? Like... <laughs> if so rob we need an interview <laughs> so he he was very overweight he had corrosive skin because he would drink like 12 cans of soda a day and i never showered and then like other illicit substances so his skin was like really acidic so he could like corrode through metal sounds um, terrible so like he had like a belt and like the belt buckle started like corrode through as the year ago went on um but he was also an avid scuba diver and like nobody on our floor believed this because we're like dude you're like 300 pounds and you have the worst i've ever seen you never leave the room like what what are we talking about here but then one day he apparently was taking a scuba diving class at like the pool in our university and he brought back his equipment and was like running it under the shower to clean it off and he ended up like completely flooding the bathroom because you know that's just what happens wow Sweet story, uh, bro. <laughs> uh, 
Do you still talk with him? Oh, God, no. I'd never even... No, I would think so. <laughs> All right. Um, so hold on real quick. So we have to talk about something. What? It, so when Corey and Fessy are standing outside talking to Wes and Nelson comes up and I think CT comes up too before the... I think this is before the nomination and after the challenge. Fessy says that... Or one of them says that the plan is to vote in... I don't remember exactly what order it was, but the, the plan was to pretty much get a rookie in versus Wes. Is this the, one of the dumbest plans you've ever heard of? Like, why would you want to get some weak rookie in against Wes at this point in the game? Why are the veterans afraid of Wes in elimination? He's like an old man. He's not in shape anymore. He, he has the classic fat person beard that he's hiding his double chin. I think they're just afraid of leaving him around the house. I don't think they're afraid of him in elimination. Then why not yeah, knock him I out? Think- well, see, I think that was the point. So they, first of all, were trying to whittle Wes's numbers around down while keeping him around. There was another point in the episode where they said, we need to get rid of some of Wes's numbers, which implies Wes was playing his normal game, which was buddying up the rookies to vote his way. But then they are also not afraid to go in because if he wins a skull, then they feel fine going up against Wes. And even Fessy said, I'm not worried about Wes in the final. So they don't really care if he's around per se, but they want to whittle his numbers down. And the only way to really do that is to either put his numbers against each other or you put him against one of his numbers. And so I think that was the logic. Was it the smartest play in the world? I don't know that I think, I I mean, I don't think it was a great plan, but I think that's where their logic was coming from. Yeah, I think that's honestly probably what it was. And it was just kind of, what they spliced together at the time, it made it seem like they wanted to just throw Wes in versus a rookie. But really what it was is put Wes in versus someone in his alliance because I think they even floated Devin at some point. How I thought it was hilarious when Devin and Kyle were talking after they went to the bubble, which is pretty much their bar, and they come up and Devin tells Kyle that he can literally not understand his partner (laughs) and not understand a word that she's saying. And it's hilarious because right before he said that, they showed Nicole talking to Natalie. And before he even said anything, I thought to myself, what is she talking about right now? And I, it's definitely like they picked that out because it is like somewhat difficult to talk with her. But I thought that scene was really funny. Okay, she Do we think that her bar is open 24-7? No. That's too bad. I, you don't think it's open 24-7? No, that there was a really, really excellent podcast with the, one of the producers on this season that was, I think, on one of the Entertainment Weekly podcasts, and they purposely only opened the bubble like it was a bar night for like when they would normally leave the house and go to a bar. They purposely were like, we needed a separate space that they don't spend a lot of time in, so that they would we would get that bar hangout vibe because it's good for the cast to have a separate environment to go to once every two or three days. So the bubble is closed unless they're having the bar night. This house looks crazy expensive, too. Well, I, I've been to I mean, Iceland and everything there is the most expensive thing on Earth. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, they're an island, so it's really hard to get stuff there. Yeah, because I went to, I went there on my honeymoon, and we went to Copenhagen afterwards. And Copenhagen is like a top three most expensive city in Europe. And when we got to Copenhagen, it was like everything here is so cheap because everything in Iceland is the most like it, it's ridiculous. I rented a car for one day in Iceland, and it was six hundred bucks. Jesus. Ooh. 
Good so lord. I, I heard so I was talking to someone uh who lived in New York. This was in within the last couple of years, and he was, was saying that he got a round trip ticket to Iceland. I want to say it was like 120, 200 bucks. Oh yeah. They 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 encourage you to come with the cheapest flights possible. And then you get there and it's just all crazy. Yeah, then you get there, it's like, oh, I see this. Now like, oh, like an well, I'll just walk. <laughs> well, you can walk Did around Reykjavik in like one day, like in like five hours, because we showed up too early and we missed the blue lagoons. We were like, yeah, yeah, let's uh, just walk around with our we were able to put our luggage somewhere and you can walk around Reykjavik in half a day. Wow. Didn't they do a final there before? That was Battle of the X's one, right? Yeah, the Johnny Camillo win. Yes. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute. I feel like they did that before. So yeah, and that was, um, it's funny because they did kind of the same thing in Exodus 2. I don't think it was Iceland, but they went to some other like Nordic country. Was it Norway? I think it was Norway for Exodus 2. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds right. What did we think Kyle, about Kyle taking Cam at the end? I thought that was the right Yeah, point. that's what Kyle, I was going I was going to eventually mention this. So now that it's up, Kyle probably played the best political game post his lie that anyone could have done because he was able to take his partner, Nani, who he is aligned with, even if they weren't partners and was able to split his number. And he was able to split up part of the big brother Alliance with cam. And now in order for them to get rid of Kyle with his skull, they have to risk throwing cam in, which cam is not going to want to have happen unless she's in control. So to me, it was the most brilliant play he could have made. How do yeah, you I think it was a great move? Oh, go and, ahead. I, it, and I'll bounce it right back to you after this. I say this, but I, I don't think you can really blame him for lying to Fessy because he doesn't know that Fessy's <laughs> going to go into some no. room and read his cards. Go, all right, go ahead, Pat. Well, I just found it funny that like Nani was maybe it was just because she wanted Fessy as a partner, but just kind of down talking Kyle, Kyle's abilities. I don't like him as a partner. And then she's like really pumped to get Josh as a partner. <laughs> I think she just thinks he works better with Josh. I don't know. Maybe, but to go back to the Kyle political thing, I don't think it's that he's like a mastermind or anything like that. It's sort of like the big easy thing. And back in the day, I think that people just like being around Kyle. He seems like fun. Yeah. People like being around him. I think he's solid politically and he's solid physically too. I thought it was hilarious at the end of the show when Josh comes down to be partnered with Nani and Kyle is already standing there with Cam. And I think Kyle mentions he he has some comment to Josh and Josh just goes, you're a piece of shit. And they flash to Kyle and he's literally laughing like a Bond villain, like a machine gun (laughs) laugh. (laughs) That honestly should be the artwork for this show. I'll send it to you. I took a screenshot. There there is artwork for this show. It's my number one thing to talk about in this episode. Um, I also really love CT really hyping up Big T too. I feel like that's, um, even if it's not like the best partner situation, I feel like that's the right play. Just like hype her up and like, like get her ready to go. Totally. totally. Yeah, it's like the Landon Carly situation. Who, all right, let's talk about this. Who do we think is going home next week? If we assume that it's a guy's day, which I think is a decent assumption. I don't think yeah, they're going to yeah, throw us that twist. I would, I would guess it fair because you can't just have the guy being the rogue agent every single time. I think you have to make it fair and go male, female, like go male, female, female, male, male, female. Yeah, it's female. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So if we, if we, let, let's do both. If it's a woman, who do we think? And if it's a guy, who do we think? Um, I, guess, I guess it depends on who becomes like the power team because it's either one alliance or the other alliance. Like, 
we didn't see anything. Maybe it's a good thing. We got very little like Darrell, Tori, Nelson, Corey, or Jay and Teresa. I didn't see them throwing Teresa in. Well, who are they working with? Nobody? I think all they're, they're working with Wes. Yeah, I think they're I, working with Wes. I know Jay and Natalie have that alliance. So maybe they are just working with Wes. Well, I think Jay is super close with Wes. He said that at the beginning of the game and the interactions that they've had makes it seem like that too. And I think they voted together both times. One heading into the game. And then now he's like voting against him. So maybe, maybe that just didn't stick. Um, um, I'm like trying to get, I really I mean, don't know. The, mo- the like, move I, is get rid of Lolo because Lolo's going to win if she's still there. I don't think the way that they're talking, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they're just saying that that's tomorrow's problem. You know what I mean? We need to figure out all the numbers first, but it doesn't seem like people have mentioned it kind of an offhand, but if I'm them, that would have like be one of like the number one priorities. But at the same time, I think what it is, and this is where the skulls come into play, no one wants to go against her in elimination. And all the guys kind of want to get their skull, then swap with Nam and have Lolo as their partner potentially. Yes, I think that is the the key there. But I mean, it's kind of hard for me just looking at Lolo and Nam physically. Who's going to beat them in an elimination? Bessie Unless can, it's a, Bessie a can be, trivia. Like there are two guys, there are two players that you have to get rid of right now. You have to get rid of Lolo or she's going to win, or you have to get rid of Darrell or he's going to win. I don't know. I still have my money on Nam. Those are my two winner picks from last week coming out of this. And we can do that in a minute. I still think it's going to be Lolo and Nam. Devin is thinking this finals like a modeling competition, basically. Dude, they're going to win. I, you don't think they're the favorites right now? I. No. I don't I, I know that Lolo was in my top three yeah, last week. I I just rewatched this past week her season of the champ show. She's going to have a mental breakdown at some point and things are gonna go crazy. I would not be shocked if she gets like DQ'd for some reason. Oh no. Like what? I could totally see it happening. Rob, she's I, my team captain in the fantasy league. Do I get like bonus points if she quits? Um, it depends on how, like, how she gets DQ'd. We'd have to really watch the tape on that. Um, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, man. I, I, I get she's an amazing athlete. There's just mentally, I don't think she's there at all. Like, I, I think she's fine this season. So far. Two episodes. We've seen, like, uh, two episodes of 90, of 45 minutes of content. Like, this is like. What kind of odds would you give me to bet on her? Bet on what? For her to to win. Yeah. Man, I'd have to think about that. You can think about it, but I feel like that will be a true indication of kind of what you think. I don't think you can make anyone an overwhelming favorite right now. She'd be like, she'd be the favorite, but she'd be like, it'd be like a golf event. She'd be like plus 400. You can see them. Totally. How often is it it that a rookie comes on and wins when it's not like half the cast is rookies? Turbo Uh, is the only one I can think of. Half was rookies. Oh, that's true. You have to just think about how he... If you look at how he was physically, even compared to the people that weren't rookies, he was still by far the best. Dude, I mean, there were a lot of great athletes that season. And also with that season, the first half of the season, it wasn't like, oh, Turbo is this huge threat. There were plenty of teams that were threats, and every team had one rookie and one veteran. So, you know, everybody was connected in some way. Yeah, but the two best athletes came one and two. It was Turbo and Theo, both rookies. Well, I know that they got to the final. Usually if you're a rookie and you're that much of an athlete, you're not going to get to the final that easily. I just don't see how they lose, like, in an elimination, unless it is, like, a trivia contest, or it's, like, an English spelling bee and Nom can't do it. 
<laughs> or it could be a situation like the West Johnny uh, elimination last year where Lolo gets flustered because she can't like keep in the game, even though it's a part physical, part mental. She she wouldn't be able to keep it together. I mean, that's the only other way I see her getting eliminated. There's a lot of these that just kind of like luck too, dude. Like if it's like the Deer Smashley elimination from last yeah. year, that's all like all luck. I get that, but on average, I think they win. You know what I mean? Like when you look at the um, like in the average elimination that they win the highest percentage of the time relative to the other people on the cast. Since we're talking about this now, let, let's do our winner picks. Let's just see that Pat, Pat can join on too. Uh, I, mean, I, I think that the, if I was capping it, Darrell and Lolo are the two favorites. Do I think they're going to win? Obviously not, because that's just not how this ever works out. But if you were asking me to cap it, those would be the two. I think CT after the first episode scares real sneaky now. So this is how it works. You get three for the men, three for the female, and three overall, and you can rank them each. So you want, who, who did you say you wanted for the men? I want Darrell. Number CT. one. Narelle number one, CT number two, and Fessy number three. She probably would. No, you know what? I'll, I'll go Fessy number two, CT number three. And on the women's side, I'll go Lolo, Cam, and geez, I want to say Tori, but it's not Tori. Tori's not going to do well this season. No, she's been basically invisible so far. Yeah, which is really strange oh, to me. Um, let's go with geez no idea casey no casey's just solid <laughs> good pick and then overall if you had to pick some combination of them because rob wanted to do this i don't think it's a bad idea either if you had to rank those six or you could pick someone outside of those six but i don't know how much sense that would make for your overall winner who would you pick Darrell. okay Darrell, and then who's two? Darrell, then Fessy, then Lolo, then Cam. Okay. All right, Rob, you're up. All right, for woman, I'll go uh, Cam one, Natalie two. Massive gap, and then three is just like... Um, yeah, Teresa last week. Forgot about Natalie. She's great. Yeah, Natalie, she is. She's really good. She seems to really I know Rob's doing his picks, but like Natalie really seems to enjoy being on the challenge like she she's really getting into the game and I'm really excited to see how this plays out for her. I think she's stuck with Wes because she's like female Wes. Mm hmm. I, yeah, so I, I would think I would go Cam one now. I, I'm actually kind of closing in between Cam and Natalie. I was pretty confident in Cam last week, but I think Natalie's getting up there, too. Um, I'll just stick with I'm three, not, but I'm not confident in it at all. And for the guys? Then for the guys, I'll go Darrell 1, Leroy 2, CT 3. Yeah, and just a, as an aside, we I think we all mentioned it last week, but CT and West are going to be fine, despite the, the situation that they were West are really I, th I, I think CT is much more safe than Wes is. Totally. It just seems to be getting a lot more negative attention right now. And CT with Big T as his partner, I think that just might help keep them under the radar a little bit. Like, people are going to be that worried about Big T. But you always have the circumstance, too, where if it does come down to you need to go knock someone out, everyone in the house is going to pick West versus CT in an elimination. For sure. All right. Overall, who do you have? Um, I'll go Cam 1, Natalie 2, Darrell 3. Interesting. All right, Trace. Last week, just whipping, watching. All right. 
I'm I'm on the same wavelength with Pat. I think Darrell is still my odds on favorite for the men just because if he makes the final, I think he wins. Like, I mean, there's just no question to me on that so far. Um, number two, I would actually go Nam. I, I really think that physically right, someone finally come to my side. I after this episode, I am further on the bandwagon for him. Uh, and then three, I would put CT uh, for the men. For the and women. then for the females, it's really hard right now. Like after if we were going, if if the challenge edited like Survivor after two weeks, there's literally no because Cam was easily the focus of episode one and she maybe got two to three minutes of screen time Nothing. in this episode. Like so it's. So it right now, from an edit standpoint, it's really hard to figure out what's going on with the female side. But if I ha- if you put a gun to my head, I would probably say Natalie one, Nani two, Casey three, two. I, I that, that's a I don't know, man. She's she's going to be <laughs> really right for her. Do you, you say Nani? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rob Rob's picking Leroy, you're picking Nani. What's wrong with you? You're like the the guys you know I what? follow every week that bet the same losers in golf who don't win every week. Oh. Nani is one of those <laughs> sneaky players that somehow finds a way to get towards the end and lose right before the final or make the final. That's kind of her motif. It's very rare that she goes out early. I think the only exception to that was Exus 2, but then because of the twist she came back. Um I think politically she knows what's up. And with the Big Brother Alliance, now that she's attached to that and she's still kind of attached to Kyle and stuff like that, I think Nani for the females is probably sitting really good politically as the team stand right now. Oh, so that's why she's my number two. I need Josh. Final, no problem. She has zero percent chance to win. No, she it depends on who she's there against, though. Yeah, I don't think it matters. This little cat is good, dude. Who is she beating right now? Rob, you're the one every week that says anyone can win in a final. Yeah, that's why I'm just like, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) I mean, she's not going to beat. Let me put it this way. She will not beat Lolo if Lolo is in the final. Is Rob's argument that like, oh, Lolo might have a stroke during the final? Yeah, that's his argument. That is his argument. Anyone can win in a final. No, that is not my argument. My argument is these finals suck. They're like 10 minutes long. No. All right. Overall, you have... Overall, I feel the most confident about probably just the male side. So just repeat the male side. Darrell, um, Nam, and then CT. Because the females, I feel like it's too difficult. Because the the one thing that keeps me away from Lolo, Wes planted this, the editors planted the seed in episode one where Wes said, people are sleeping on Lolo and they have no idea what she is capable of emotionally and in the game. So it's like, I feel like they're planting some little seeds for what's coming. I, I just have a tough time seeing that, like see, seeing her hang around the whole time. Give me some odds then, Rob. Let's go. Yeah, well, let's go. Just to win, like I, I would have to. I just have to. Well, I'll crunch some numbers and get back to you. I'm no, no one is actually making this bet with you, Rob. Just fucking say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but have running right now. All right, mine's going to be pretty much unchanged. I'm going to, there's going to be a slight change on the men's side. So I'm going to go Nam and then Darrell too. So that's the change. I'm going to bring up Darrell from three to two. So Nam, Darrell, Fessy. And then I'm going to go for the women. I'm going to go Lolo, Casey, 
and Cam, which I don't feel, I don't know. I just don't know who else to put three for the, I almost should, should put Natalie, to be honest. Um, Cause I don't think, yeah, I'm going to put, screw it. I'm going to put Natalie at three. I don't think Cam's going to win. This, um, this side is stacked. Cause not one of us mentioned like Nicole, who, if she gets to a final, if she doesn't like break her ankle, like last time, then the puzzles, she could puzzle. Yeah. yeah but maybe, she, maybe listen, maybe she downloaded an app. She's good to go now. Well, her mm. yeah, Devin still in the final. I think that actually probably helps. But if she's with like a Corey type again, and they're they're counting the triangles on the sign, and puzzles are weird because it depends on what the puzzle is. Like CT is like a puzzle master now, but he's good at like tanagrams. <laughs> yeah, it, that's true. I think sometimes puzzle capability can kind of overrate it just because a lot of them are really random. Yeah, and then you also have to throw in the X factor of like the Johnny Bananas puzzle factor, who says he's not terribly um great at puzzles but he knows the loopholes of how the challenge works like i vividly remember i think it was x's two where they had to put the countries in order and it was like a tree and all these teams are struggling to um like put the tree in the right order maybe that was free agents i can't remember which one it was and and he was like johnny was like forget the countries look at how the tree is cut if you can line up the tree that's the puzzle and everybody else is struggling and he's just like boop, 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 boop. so puzzles it really depends on what the puzzle is because you could be really bad at puzzles but understand what the producers do and find the loopholes but she's better at what like at, when, know, when, like Ashley gets credit as being a very good puzzle person. I don't know whether she is or whether she isn't, but every time that anything has ever had to do with math with Smashley, she's been awesome at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for overall, I'm going to go Lolo, Nom, Casey. Um, so I'm going to switch Lolo one and move Nom to two. Um, but just talking about jo- how Johnny knows how the show works. It's like the challenge from last season where he was able to just look at the lights, how they were flashing behind the set to get the exact pattern and then win. He just, mm-hmm. that just being around that long is, is an advantage in and of itself. Completely. Can I, can I throw you um, the MVP for the episode? Yes. So Liv, Gabby and big T are all sitting around in the room. Big T's wearing like a sweatshirt, like no makeup on or anything. Uh, same as like Liv's wearing like workout gear cut to Gabby. Who's got like heels, leather pants, and half a shirt on? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm here. It I'm, was I'm pretty ridiculous. ridiculous. But just like it's very clear, like they're not just getting back from the fake club or what's like they're lounging around the house, and she is to the nines done up. Yes. Um, there was one other thing in the episode I'd love to talk about because I know we're starting to hit towards the end of this now. Um I was really fascinated by how much tension there was between Joseph and big T that conversation they had where Joseph's like giving her nothing and she's trying to like talk to him and she's doing everything she can to get him to understand what's going on. And Joseph's like, nah, whatever. Like I've never, I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a guy who has, I mean, maybe he was ready to go home. I don't know. But it just felt like this dude had absolutely no idea what game he was playing. Yeah. And uh, would you be surprised if you heard that he had never seen the show before he came on? Oh, I would be surprised if he did. I would be shocked. I mean, the only thing that he seemed to know is that he should be careful around West. That's about the only thing I think he understood the whole time. Do you think he just wanted to go home? Yes. 
Um, I do. Oh. But he was just. I like, think you know, he got like, there. Yeah, this is. I think he me. got like, there. I'm gonna, go out, I'm gonna take a swing. Go ahead. That's exactly what I was about to say. I think he got there, realized that the only way to win is to make a huge move, and I and if I can't make the huge move, I might as well go home. So it's like, all right, I'm just gonna go ahead and make this huge move. If it works, great. If it doesn't, eh, all right, I'll go home. Pat, we have a Cam versus Lolo bet, don't we? Uh, no, we have a CT versus West bet. Nah, I'm not feeling great about that one. I feel like CT lasts longer in the game than West does. Well, I that that it was a fantasy points bet. So if, if CT reverts back to his couch potato ways, then maybe I'll maybe I'll be okay. My fantasy well, team has been for next on week. fire because <laughs> I had Natalie win last week. I had Kyle win this week, and then I think Tracy, you've had two people go home, right? Mm-hmm. I have, and then. I've had the one thing. So I have Casey, but I'm not. She's pretty much just like accumulating points throughout the weeks. Like I think she's a lock to be in the finals or close to the end. Um, points this week. She what? She got two points this week. So it's not. Yeah, crazy. she had one confessional at the end of the episode. Um, but that's when. Yeah. That's when I was at the beginning of the draft. I still wasn't even like didn't have a grasp of how the points worked. And I was just picking based off of who I thought was going to win. Um, Usually kind of. I just, yeah, she's just not, she's not on screen. I feel like the quote of the episode may have, may go to Devin when he said, quote, my partner is an incredibly fit infant, end quote. Pretty. <laughs> I feel, I feel like everybody kind of turned on Devin with the final reckoning stuff. I think everybody just looked bad on Final Reckoning. So having that be like the last time we remember you from is just not good. I, I have that written down too, is that I, I think it's just so many people like Bananas, myself included, regardless of how big of like a douchebag he is, that going up against Bananas just turns people against you. And that, that would seem to be like the only thing that he would do. Like that was his only story. Yeah, line, mm-hmm. I hate Johnny and that that's all we really knew about him. Now he seems like kind of fun again. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I, yes. When, when he's not in that position where he's trying to take swings at him. Uh, honestly, that may be why I have a more favorable opinion of him this season. I will say, though, that I do think Wes is more entertaining to watch when he's not in the numbers, right? When he's kind of in a situation where he has to fight a little bit more, I think I enjoy watching him on the show to a greater degree. I kind of yeah, wish I, I, I kind of wish we got ruins West where he was like yoked in just an insane person because that would be hilarious in this house. Oh, also, I don't know if you guys saw it. Did you see like the next episode on like trailer? Yes, yeah. I did. I want to talk about that because we get our first Josh tears of the year, which is I mean, great. It's the only reason I haven't been fantasies for all these crying points. I can't believe they didn't show him crying when uh, he lost his partner. But the way that they haven't edited <laughs> was together, it. like. I'm kind of bummed that CT is CT who he is now, because if that's actually Josh yelling at CT, like I like Josh, he's kind of grown on me, but seeing like CT beat the fuck out of Josh would be the funniest thing alive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree. I feel like that's going to be a pretty huge fight. I, I think the other thing that's becoming apparent on this season, especially after Fessy feeling like, Oh, all the people in my Alliance did not vote the way they were supposed to when they saw that screen flash up. I really wonder how cutthroat the political game is going to get because how are people going to feel about Anissa and Fessy when another team wins a daily 
and they learn the secret of what's going on because that's going to cause even more tension between Fessy and the people he's supposedly now working with. It seems like politics are going to have to be kind of week to week, right? I mean, like we just saw Kyle, who was seemingly on the out, just took the girl who was like the probably one or two in terms of political standing in the house and then shook up a bunch of other teams too. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious um, how that's going to influence things moving forward. Like, does that actually help West out a little bit now? Cause now he's buddies with Kyle and Kyle, Kyle seemingly in more of a power spot. And it, it splits up Kyle and Nani splitting up actually gives Wes two votes because Nani's working with Wes. That's what's going on. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I thought he would have been working with Anissa, too, but Anissa was planning to vote him in for the first two votes. Well, two. Well, one thing here. It, how many daily missions would Anissa have to win in a row before anyone took her seriously? Nine. She's played with that. <laughs> like, all of them? All of them. Every single one of them. But would you... And if someone else wins the elimination next week and they get the secret of you can see who people are voting for, does it work like it did on Fresh Meat where those two, like, there's like sort of an unspoken agreement? Like, hey, we're not going to reveal this just like they didn't reveal what the exile was? I think it depends who it is. If somebody has mm-hmm. an advantage from blowing up Fessy and Issa's spot, then they might say... So I'm, I'm actually much more entertained by the question that uh, Pat had when he was joking around. So, Rob, how many... Elimin- or how many challenges and finals would Anissa have to win in a row for you to think that she is the best female challenge competitor of all time? So like if she won, if she won this season, let, let's just, she wins. If she won this season, next season, and the season after that, she won three in a row. How many, how many would she have to win for you to think she's the best ever? I don't really care about like, I don't know. I mean, I'll, what if she won five? <laughs> how is she winning physically dominant uh well i don't know that that's that, that's the whole point so, somehow she does it because if it's just like i don't know if the produce if anise is like sneaking cash to the producers and they're like taking a baseball bat to the yeah, other obviously not like w- within the confines of the game well within the confines of the game she's not winning five times in a row devin rob you know really i'm saying to play, she, you need to you don't get it hypotheticals rob like not everything is like if people are going to hold this to you for life <laughs> Just lean into it. All right. What else do we want to talk about before we jump? The soundtrack? I think just overall thoughts on the episode and the soundtrack. I I agree with that because I am loving the theming of the music for all these seasons. The fact that last year was angry white boy rock from the late 90s, early 2000s made me really happy. And that this year we're 80s. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. (laughs) Yeah, we got every like depressed college student from the late 80s with like the Smiths. There was the cure this week. But that's very problematic for rebroadcasting with all of these like high priced licensing. Like I'm curious, it'll be really funny to watch the season a year from now online and absolutely none of this music is in it. Like to see what they put in its place. It, it causes a lot of issues with that. Like that's the issue going back and rewatching like World of the Worlds 1 or World of the Worlds 2 now is a lot of the songs they don't have rights to. So they, for one, they don't even they don't even have the seasons available in a lot of places. But if they do, you can actually tell a lot of scenes are re-edited completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of the reason why this year I'm going to rip stuff off of my DVR so that I have the aired versions for sure instead of whatever else I pull from the internet. If you buy it off iTunes, do you think it stays the same? No, because the uh, broadcasting rights 
only include a limited amount of digital rights. So the digital rights would expire uh, and they might be completely different at the same time. Maybe if you bought them like right now, but I bet that would change once it's off broadcast. Well, you'd have to get like a hard copy of it. Um, and then there's nothing that they could do. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right, cool. Oh, well, overall thoughts. Uh, I thought it was a good episode. I think the season's off to a good start. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just very happy with this episode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think so far they're setting up to be a really good season. And the fact that the politics are going to have to change week to week and there's going to be some kind of shuffling of the deck of teams every week. I think it, it provides an X factor that's going to create entertaining television. So, um, and the fact that they're not in a bunker, I think really helps that political and potential for conflict to be greater. So, um, so far I am very optimistic that this is going to be a really solid overall season. This is going to be a season two where like you, if you missed like two or three episodes, you're going to come back and be like, all right, what, what has happened? This is like unrecognizable. Yeah. Completely. All right. Well, Pat, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for uh, everything with the Mayo Media Network. We appreciate it. If you want to reach out to us with, we, I think we do have one listener email, but we'll get to that next time. Um, if you want to reach out to us with any listener email questions, you can reach us at thechallengechronicles at gmail.com. We'll link to it in the description below. Uh I guess we should plug the t-shirt store since it's Christmas. And I guess we have more, a lot more uh, listeners and viewers than we did last time. You can go to bigdubdiesel.com, dub with two Bs, and get some Challenge Chronicles paraphernalia. And what else do we have to plug? Paraphernalia, not merchandise. We can call it whatever we want. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is we still have the contest going. If you leave us a five star review uh, on iTunes through the end of the year and we're retro dating this. So if you've ever left us a five star review, uh, you are entered in a drawing for a T-shirt, which we'll do uh, in January. Um, and then other than that, Pat, you got anything to plug for your stuff? No. You know, I do stuff. Mayo Media Network. Check it out. New stuff every day. Yeah. And I will say for all of the people that have less left us reviews, it has helped quite a bit. Since that happened, we've actually gone up, I would say, significantly within the iTunes rankings. So it seems like for whatever reason, that's one of like the sole metrics that uh, iTunes search algorithm works off of, whereas Spotify somehow were top two or three. Uh, and I think it's probably just because of the listen through rate. But regardless, thank you for leaving those comments. We really appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. Um so, all right, Pat, thank you again for joining. And we'll talk to everyone again next week with episode three of Challenge Double Agents. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.